welcome back to the Eclectic Collection. It is episode 64 today. Halloween music. And there's not a lot of this, which makes you wonder why isn't there a lot of this? And I think it's just one of those things where it sort of took off later. Not that Halloween hasn't always been a thing. I mean, obviously it's always been a thing, but I feel like it's more of a thing lately because whether you argue that technology has come a long way or that um, creativity has opened up a whole different realm with just avenues like obviously podcasts and YouTube and all the social media stuff or just visually. Also, the arts, I always think like Greg Nicotero with uh, Walking Dead and the prosthetic stuff that they can do and the practical effects. It's just become more and more of a thing. And Halloween Horror Nights over at uh, uh, Universal is huge in Orlando and Hollywood. And um, even Disney has their not-so-spooky Halloween. So there's all sorts of stuff. Even Shamu, for God's sake, at SeaWorld has Halloween nights. So there's a lot of Halloween uh, festivities and therefore they need music to go with it. So they're getting kind of desperate on some angles. So I kind of want to tell you what I think is real Halloween music and then some of the honorable mentions that really aren't necessarily Halloween music but get grouped into it. So in no apparent order except I do have a very, very thick number one. But um, you can argue that themes are the way to go. So X-Files, Adam's Family, The Munsters, these are all themes from shows that just have a spooky rhythm to them or can't be rhythm to them, but they make sense for Halloween. X-Files has kind of that like sci-fi drawn out, almost synth kind of sound to it. It works really well. Um, you know, Adam's family is that, you know, so that's kind of got like the campy kid thing going to it. Um, definitely the Munsters is old from back in the day. They were at 1313 Mockingbird and with that, dun, 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 you know, had the cute little ring to it, but again, can't be cute, but making monsters in a cool way, almost like Hotel Transylvania makes them in a, uh, a happy light. Um, uh, Beetlejuice theme that has gotten a lot of recognition in the last few years. It's uh, a neat kind of a play with some violin work. And uh, I've, I've seen interviews with Gina Davis and uh, members of the cast saying how cool it was to work on that movie. And despite her career, that that's the movie that people always want to talk about because it's kind of Halloween-esque, but not. But, you know, it's the spooky, creepy together, the macabre. Uh, as Winona Ryder says, uh, how come you guys can see me? Well, because that spirit book says that the uh, unusual, I myself am, uh, shy and unusual. So, you know, she's uh, talking about being strange and unusual in the uh, in the movie herself. And it is kind of a strange and unusual movie, but very Tim Burton, definitely a Halloween-esque theme to it, which of course then leads to Jack Skellington and Halloween Town, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. So you have spooky, scary skeletons, which everybody loves to sing. And this is Halloween. So those definitely get put in there as legitimate songs um, and themes. I would say that the Twilight Zone theme is definitely a must because even if you put Rod Serling's voice to it with that opener, you know, shadowy darkness into time, you've kind of got this way about it that that lends itself to the unknown and and the weirdness and all the, like the I and the E equals MC squared and all the little random things in the old black and white uh, trailer. It's very Halloween-esque. One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. Old song, very cute, very campy, very cool. Um, again, benign, great for kids. Same thing with Monster Mash. You can't not acknowledge Bars Karloff and Monster Mash. There's where you took a master of horror and you take a voice like Bars Karloff, who, of course, was part of the um, the whole Grinch situation, the original Grinch. And, uh, you know, he's always been in horror movies and, and 
uh, part of part of horror in its pure core from back in the day, and then put it in a campy, cute song for kids. So that's that's fantastic. Of course, Ray Parker Jr. with Ghostbusters. I can't even imagine. First of all, honestly, Ray Parker Jr., I'm sure he's been producing and stuff, but did we really hear of him before that? No. Um, I, I really feel bad for him because all I could think is, what must you have thought? What must you have been tasked with to come up with a key song for hilarious guys like Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Harold Ramis and, and, and this huge hit of a movie that's totally centered around Halloween for obvious reasons and just the spooky and the supernatural trying to keep it funny and campy yet ride the line of spooky you know and and not make too much fun you got Sigourney Weaver in there Rick Moranis great cast and it's such a smash hit and he had to be walking on pins and needles to come up with something as cool and upbeat as like who you gonna call so I think he did a great job with it given that they're like a service but that had to be very tough to kind of create a song like that of literally out of nowhere for a concept that hadn't been done before. So um, it's, it's kind of a one hit wonder, unfortunately, but it works. And it's, it's definitely, I'd put that at like number two, the all time number one is going to be Michael Jackson's thriller. Obviously. I don't think that's disputable at all. Not only because he released it that time of the year and made a whole werewolf, huge eight minute world premiere out of it. I can remember listening to the world premiere, you know, talking to friends on the phone while we're all watching TV on Thursday night for the preview for the real world premiere on Saturdays that Kurt Loder used to talk about on MTV. And there was this whole big extended version and, and he showed the whole making of video and, and how he got into it and how just the fact that, again, a, a great name like Vincent Price, who's known and associated with horror, would do that entire speaking portion inside was fantastic. So to utilize names like Boris Karloff and, and Vincent Price, I just think that that gives a nod to the uh, the original genre, the whole homage to horror in general and, and the idea of Halloween. And then you take this fantastic new song. It's got a lot of um, uh, spice to it. It's got a lot of uh, components. It's it's almost like its own little rock opera in different parts. And, of course, if you watch the video, that's just a great visual part. Obviously, now it's a little dated because tech just wasn't there. But at the time, it was the premiere um, technological breakthrough with all the prosthetics and things that they did to it. I'm sure if they went back and re-engineered, uh, it would even be more fantastic. But that is the initial, and um, you know, even though it was the '80s, that was like the initial and an ultimate like Halloween song to sort of hang your hat on. That sort of replaced what would have been, you know, maybe Monster Bash back in the day. And it's a little more serious, if you will, Halloween song. A lot of sound effects, a lot of great work to it. Cool, obviously, definite groove, cool beat. And, of course, it had its own little dance, too, which you've ever watched uh, 13 Going on 30 with Jennifer Garner. It's uh, kind of funny how they go out and she and Mark Orflo, uh do that. And it's sort of... Um, uh, comical to watch but some things that uh, aren't halloween that sort of get a halloween vibe just because of the name it's a, it's it's lame it's it's i think it's just a lame coincidence evil woman i love the the song evil woman but that, that's just because it says evil it doesn't mean it's a halloween song okay like i don't know elo is definitely not going to be okay with that but fun fact um jeff lynn would probably uh be upset with me telling you this but uh elo actually did a fire on high is the song by the way it's a great instrumental song if you've never listened to it go listen to it now elo was in the 70s they were big in the 70s and they have fantastic uh their greatest hits is great uh worth worth listening to but again that was the era where people kept getting accused um 
Led Zeppelin got accused, Styx got accused, Queen got accused of having subliminal messages or satanic messages or scary messages in their songs if you played them backwards, which A, was not the way that songs were intended to be played, but there was maybe some stuff that it wasn't there intentionally, but if you played a song at a certain speed in reverse, you could hear some garbage gobbledygoo that sounded like maybe a word or two, but but not really at all. It was never meant to be. None of those bands did that intentionally. And they went through the ringer in a lot of cases because of overzealous parent groups. And that just makes me sick on another level. But before I go off on that rant, the funny thing is Jeff Lynne and ELO in Fire on High, which is purely instrumental, deliberately put a secret message when you listen to the song backwards. And all it is is a benign uh, phrase that says, congratulations, you've now uncovered the secret message to uh, Fire on High, which again, it's an instrumental song. It's a great song. Um, and there's really, for having no words in it, there's that little like blurb in the beginning. And you would need a album to listen to it uh, oh, by the way, those are things that are pressed out of black vinyl, just for those of you that are, don't know what that is. Then again, if you don't know what that is, you might not even know what a CD is. I won't even talk about tapes or 8-tracks. Don't get me started on reel-to-reel and 8mm. But anyway, um, vinyl, go find some, have some, get yourself a turntable. You need it. But um, that's the only way you can really listen to it. I, I'm sure probably now somewhere in the world of social media or on YouTube or something, you could find... Uh, a, a clip of it, you know, that was from vinyl that someone recorded and uploaded. And I'm sure you could go do that. But uh, the real cool way to do it is to spin it backwards and play at 33 and a third um, revolutions. Those are the big albums, by the way. Little albums are 45 for 45 revolutions per minute. That's what RPM stands for. Anyhow, so that was kind of a little fun fact. I digress. Um, Extraterrestrial, Katy Perry. Again, not a Halloween song. Just kind of gets lumped in there with that. But I get it. It's just names... Nomenclature doesn't necessarily dictate causality or theory behind uh, Halloween. And of course, Disturbia. I love Rihanna. Love the song. Very good dance song. But not really a Halloween song. It's just, you know, the name's going to go with the genre, but that's about it. It's just pure in name only. It's not like you're going to find E.T. show up or... uh, anything actually disturbing uh, in there. So those are just some uh, things where they got pulled in. Another one that's old school is Dreamweaver, uh, Gary Wright. Uh, yeah, okay, Dreams, I guess. It's a loose uh, uh, affiliate, but it's just kind of a cool star celestial sounding beginning, and people would often lump it in Halloween stuff, but not really a Halloween song per se. So there are a few of them, but... Um, Hopefully we'll have more as, as time goes on. I imagine they're challenging to write because you're writing about the fictional and the uh, the occult, and, and that can be challenging on, on many different uh, levels. I know from liking to talk about all that stuff, there's a fine line between super creeps and what's like G-rated for everybody, and yet at the same token, things that you want to kind of explore a little bit more, but there just isn't information. I mean, what are you going to do? Go back and ask a dead person? Like, not an option. So Halloween, what it is. Um, for the fun, campy part of it, this, these are just some songs I think you might want to play during your next Halloween party, or at least to get in the groove of the spirit of the times for this uh, spooky season. Hope you enjoyed them, and if you liked what you heard today, then check us out at eclecticcollectionpodcast.com or listen to us on your preferred platform. I'm Terry Tanaglia. Thanks for listening. <laughs>